Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends, Ultimate Motorcycling's weekly podcast. My name is Arthur Coldwells. In this week's first segment, Associate Editor Kelly Callan tells us about her take on BMW's upper middleweight ADV style bike, the BMW F900XR. This one's got the premium package. The smaller, much less expensive sibling to the awesome 1000XR could easily be overlooked on the showroom floor. So Kelly gives us her take on whether it would be worth your time if you're in the market for this type of moto. In the second segment, I chat with Ricky Rengi. He's the service manager at Wheels in Motion. It's a dealership in Chatsworth, California. Of course, he's crazy busy, but he still manages to ride his various motorcycles 24-7 on the street, on the track, and off-road too. Ricky's an absolute hoot to talk to. He's a very energetic young guy, and he's got a truly positive vibe and a magic sense of humor. So we had a good time and laughed a lot. I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing his stories. So, from all of us here at Motos and Friends... We hope you enjoyed this episode. It's funny because when it arrived in the garage, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. And then one day when I was heading off to the dentist on the other side of the hill and Don's like, here, take this. It's got the, the heated hand grips, you know, and I was going in the morning and, um, and it was cold and I took it and it's like, wow, by the time I got back, I was like, this bike rocks. This is really cool. <laughs> So right. it's going to be a bummer when it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's probably the true test, isn't it? If yeah. you don't want to hand it back, then that probably says, says volumes right there. Well, you know, I was using it. I've been using it as a commuter almost exclusively. And I have to say, I love this bike. I really love it um, for what I've been doing. And I kind of feel in some ways like it's wasted that I'm just commuting on it. Um <laughs> You know, because it, it, I can tell the capability, you know, that as it'd be so much fun, you know, sport riding and so forth. But uh, as a commuter, it does a really great job. So I've been enjoying it. So it's a, a, an upright ADV styled bike, isn't it? It's got that sort of tall stance to it. It does, you know, and it's funny because you, you know, it has the ADV, like you said, sort of that's where they're categorizing it but it's really more adventure styling i mean it it could be taller if it were like a true adventure bike um and maybe would have a bigger front wheel and so forth but it's adventure style and but it does have the taller suspension which is great and of course that's always a trade-off because it does make it a little bit taller and i definitely am not flat-footed on this bike at all the seat height is 32 and a half inches my end seems like 30 and a half. Um, so I can get I can get the balls of my feet on the ground enough that I'm comfortable and I'm happy with it as it is. I wouldn't trade away any of that suspension for being flat on the ground. So I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly a street bike because it's got, you know, 17 inch wheels on it and street tires. But I guess starting at the beginning, what, what sort of motor does it have on it? Yeah, okay, so we've got an 895cc parallel twin, but it has a little bit of the V-twin personality to it. So it's kind of got a nice a nice feel and a nice, a nice little rumble to it. It makes a great sound when I turn it on at, at you know, because it's in the parking garage, so it kind of echoes a bit. And it's got a nice, <laughs> okay. a, a nice little growl to it. And I'm not one who really cares about the sound of bikes like that. I'm just, it, you know, doesn't really mean much to me, but it's kind of like, that's kind of cool. So if you actually notice it, then obviously it stands out a little bit. Exactly. It's got plenty of power. I mean, I've, I've com- commuted on smaller engine bikes and there's a lot to be said for that too. But as soon as you get on something with a little more power, especially when it has res- responsive um, throttle, you, you really, it's fun. And you're just like, yeah, can't wait to take on the traffic today. So uh, I really enjoy it. And even though it's, uh, as we said, a little bit taller and it's it's kind of a heavy bike, relatively speaking, it's still easy to handle. And I really, I like the feel of it on the road. Okay. Um, does it have, you know, different power modes on it? So have you got any sort of options to handle the power? 
And does it have things like traction control and, and all of that sort of stuff on it? Well, it, yeah, it has all kinds of electronics, at least in, in the, um, the model that we tested. The model we tested did have the premium package, which has lots of electronics, a lot of rider safety features, basically. And that package mode's $2,400, but you get a lot in it. Electronic, uh, semi-active suspension, lots of rider safety features. You, you have the rider modes, as you asked about. In fact, you have four of them. By, by paying the extra money, you're, you're getting access to Dynamic and Dynamic Pro, things that you would use when you're sport riding, not really commuting around town. That's not really what, what you need it for. But for me, I was surprised that I liked riding the bike in Dynamic more than the road mode. I thought with tight traffic conditions, and especially since we're able, you know, we're lucky we get to split lanes here in, in California. Right. I thought, I thought, you know, it's really it's busy out there, and maybe I would I'd want it in the road mode. And so early on when I was testing it and it was a really busy, tight day, I thought, you know, let me just put it in road mode and keep things, you know, kind of cool. And what I found is that not that the road mode is doggy at all it's totally not but i missed the the faster response of the throttle and because the engine is just overall so smooth in all the modes i didn't feel like there was any reason to to drop it down to the road mode because i like to be able to you know slip between cars and if there's a, an opportunity to do you know some an overtake or something i want the bike to, I want the engine to respond quickly. I want the acceleration to really be there. And so I ended up spending most of the time there. Right, right. Yeah, I get it. If you need to just sort of squirt past a car quickly, then that sort of snappy throttle response is good. But you didn't find that with that, that it, it made the throttle a little jerky or anything. It still had that smooth response when you weren't riding aggressive. Yeah, totally. There, there wasn't anything snatchy about it. And that was unexpected. You know, usually you think if you're going up to to a, something called dynamic mode um, <laughs> that you might have, you know, you might have something, as you said, it's a little jerky or something, but sure. uh, they did a great job and it it's so smooth. I will I will say um, I did test the bike in the rain mode because we had a we had a, a rain not not too you know often do we get rain here in Southern California but we had some rain um, a couple of weeks ago and the roads were dirty and damp and I'm like okay I, I'm not somebody who rides in the rain I know there are people <laughs> no. on the East Coast who that's you know they just have to deal with it right right. We're spoiled out here. So, you know, most of the time it's like, oh, if it's damp and wet out, I'm, I'm not going to do it. But I kind of got caught out and it's like, okay, well, let's drop this down in the rain mode. And it did make me feel a lot better knowing that, you know, I had some protection there and I wasn't going to have, even though you have the full power of the engine in the rain mode, the response is not as fast. All right. Okay, nice. What did you think of the, of the suspension the bike just, it's its smooth. I didn't have any, I mean, again, I was riding as a commuter. So most of the, the miles were on the freeway. I did, you know, surface streets that are connecting you, you know, to the freeway, to your work, that sort of thing. Sure. The freeways around Los Angeles are pretty horrendous. They're these sort of concrete ridged super slabs of concrete can get pretty bouncy in certain places and I just wondered if you noticed any difference if you sort of ran it in a different setting that wow you know the suspension this actually is sort of riding a little bit better I'm not just feel like I'm sitting on top of a jackhammer here <laughs> well right no I, I know what you're saying because yeah like the expansion joints um there are a couple on on my commute that are just like you just always kind of lift yourself up a little <laughs> right. as you're coming up because it's like you know otherwise you're going to be bounced off so it dealt with that fine. I wasn't feeling like I was going to be pitched off or anything. Um, I did have one couple of days actually where I got to to go through the, uh, along the Sepulveda Pass. Right. Um, so I had white sweepers. That's not my normal commute, but I I needed to go somewhere and, and you know have that. And when I was doing that, I did notice that the on fast sweepers it took more muscle. 
you know, a little bit of body English to turn the bike going really fast. The bike still handles very well and it's nimble, but it, it takes more effort to, to turn through fast sweepers at speed. So, um, okay. Yeah, the semi-active suspension only affects the rear shock, so so it's not going to be as dramatic as as uh, changes on the on the Big Brother, the XR one thousand. But it still is going to change things a bit. But uh, but that's nice that that the suspension you know sort of works well. I mean, heck, it's a BMW; you'd expect it so. So, what about things like uh, the brakes? I presume the brakes on it are exemplary. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, they're they're well done. They. Uh the initial engagement is it's gentle you know so there's nothing that's going to throw anybody off this this is actually such an easy bike to ride i mean i'm not going to say something like it's a beginner bike because that's ridiculous but it's so friendly um it's hard to imagine getting caught out so that initial engagement is gentle uh if you squeeze harder you get enough i never felt like you know, sometimes you get that feeling you're going fast, you want to stop fast and you, you grab your brake and you're just like, oh, okay, I don't know if there's enough there. Never had, <laughs> never had that feeling on this bike. And, you know, the bike's not light. It's 480 some, something pounds that you're trying to slow down. But as you said, BMW knows what they're doing with their brakes and they're good. It, it, you've got twin 320 millimeters up front and radially mounted Brembo calipers. It, it works. It works well and it just you know as always when you have good brakes you have a lot of confidence in it and then you you ride up to that sure i noticed from the pictures it also has a quick shifter i i assume the gearbox was pretty good but did, did the quick shifter work well do you like those things you know uh it works really well now unfortunately i didn't have a lot of places where i would use it with the commute, <laughs> but but i will say um accelerating on the freeway I could get I could get on it sometimes coming home if I had a you know an open area I would use it and the harder I was accelerating the smoother that little click click or chip whatever it was it's it's beautiful it's it's really well um, it also works well downshifting but the upshifting was was just you know I kind of wished I was like going out to the canyons or something because I would make use of that a lot for for round town riding the commuting not so much but as i said when i did have the opportunity to do it i was i was impressed with it sure okay in terms of sort of amenities the the dash on it is like this highly colorful you know tft display it seems really attractive and easy to read did you find that oh yeah absolutely and um i would actually back up a little bit just to say because something you said there made me think about, you know, amenities and riding and so forth. Using it in a commuting fashion, it seems so well set up, certainly in this package deal, because, well, for one thing you have, you have the windscreen, which is two position adjustable, and you really can do it with one hand with your left hand, which is not my dominant hand. So, you know, so you're reaching across because the lever is actually on the, the right side of the windscreen, but you reach across with your left hand you can flip it up or down. It's easy, truly easy, and um, that's nice. So it's not electric then. It's it is it is manual mode. It's manual, but it's you wouldn't even need it. As I said, it's so easy and smooth. It's not like I'm like this strong person, right? I, you just reach over and flip flip a handle, and it moves it up or it moves down. Um, I rode with it up most of the time. It doesn't obscure your view at all, but it just was kind of like the right setting for me for sending the bulk of the air you know kind of over my helmet so that part is is you know that is really nice it's nice to have the choice there it's nice that it's something that you don't have to be stopped to do and while it's not electronic it's the next best thing um i also liked uh in this package it has the heated grips oh nice okay i know this isn't the east coast or something <laughs> but um you know we're wimpy here and when it gets down to 50 degrees it's like and my fingers just, they get cold easily. So I was making, I have been making use of the um, heated grips a lot this past couple of weeks. It's three positions, you know, so it's like hot, hotter and hot, <laughs> but it 
but it makes the big difference. And, and for, especially for me, I don't even know if I really could be riding without that right now. Also the bike has, and again, this is part of the adventure styling, you know, it's not like you really need it on this bike. You're not going off road, but it's got hand guards, right? I think they call it hand protectors. So that actually down some of the wind blast on your hands as well. Um, so that's nice. The seating position, aside from the upright, which you know is, is great for commuting, it's got a little bit wider bars, which gives you, you know, some extra leverage, which is welcome. On the one hand, like as a lane splitter, you want the narrowest bike, right? But at the same time, when you're going at slower speeds, you kind of want the, the wider bars a little bit, you know, just right. have better control. So that's nice. It doesn't really interfere too much with with lane splitting. Um, the seating, I'm, I'm real picky about like the seating pocket. That's what I call it. Like how your legs grip against the tank. And this is so smooth and it just feels like a glove. You know, the way you sit on it, it's a really comfortable seat as well. So that is all awesome. And when you're like at high speed on the freeway, um, I like to really grip the bike with my knees. And sometimes a bike's comfortable for that. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's too thin. Sometimes it's too fat to get a good yeah, grip. Right. And the XR is perfect. It's just perfect. And the seat is so comfortable. And certainly anybody who's going to do longer distance, you know, touring or whatever is going to be comfortable on that. So that's awesome. Clearly, you absolutely love the bike. I mean, was there anything, anything that niggled you that you didn't particularly like? One of my pet peeves is the mirrors. And I know Don, whenever I complain about this, it's like, oh, who's even looking in the mirrors? Well, I am. <laughs> right. If you're commuting, you are. Yeah, I mean, if you're commuting, especially, you're like constantly kind of keeping an eye on what's happening behind you. If you're not, you know, stuck in slow traffic and you're going fast, you kind of want to see who's around and might be coming up behind you. And um, right. one thing about that bike is that above 4,000 RPM, it's just buzzy and even uh, even between 3,500 and 4,000 is not great but I've noticed if you know when you're on the surface streets and you're just kind of going down the boulevards and so forth if you shift up um, so that you keep your rpms down then it's it's like crystal clear it's really sharp and that's great and actually speaking of of shifting up and so forth the bike is a little bit is the gearing is slightly tall and I only noticed, well, I noticed that for one thing, like if I'm going really slow, like through the parking garage at work, um, I have to, you know, be slipping the clutch a little bit because first is, is too fast for how I want to be going through there. That's not any kind of problem. I'm just, that's when I noticed it. And then the other place I noticed it is that certainly in the first few days of me riding the bike, testing the bike, when I would get on the freeway, kind of zip up the the on-ramp and, and get up to speed, I would notice, oh, I'm only in fourth gear because, oh, wow. I, yeah, it's like sixth definitely is an overdrive, which I suppose that definitely would be good for, for touring, right? You'd keep the right. RPMs down and mileage up and all that, but, and that's not, that's not anything I'm complaining about, just kind of noting, you know, so I would have to remind myself, not shift up, a, you know, a couple more, you've got somewhere to go on that. Um, so anyway, you know, yeah, the, the mirror is about the only thing I can complain about on this bike. It's interesting that the mirrors were buzzy and yet the motor felt really smooth. So even at relatively high RPM, it still didn't feel buzzy at all. It's just the mirrors were a bit a bit blurred, that's all. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know huh. what to say about that. But, but, you know, I do also know that's my pet peeve. I'm, I'm complaining about that on so many bikes. So... <laughs> Right. It must be a tough thing to, to iron out. Right. I also noticed that there are clearly um, rear pannier or, or side bag carriers, but obviously this bike didn't, the test bike didn't come with them, but I assume you can buy them as an accessory or something, do you think? Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of accessories. Um, and as you said, this has, the select package includes the the saddlebag mount so that's why they were there we didn't have the okay um the bags but you can get them and um bmw has all kinds side side panniers um top box um you, you so the bike the bike could be outfitted easily to you know have some some touring and um carrying capacity 
Good. Okay. It sounds absolutely terrific. Sounds like a really good bike. So sort of in summary, who would you say that this bike is is kind of aimed at? Hmm. Well, it's it's another one of those bikes that to me seems like it it's multi-purpose. I mean, as I said, it's a great commuter. It has the um athleticism to be fun on the weekend definitely you know that motor is just so it's torquey you know it's it's broad torque from the bottom all the way up to um to its its peak at about 67 50 rpm it's just got lots of pull so i can imagine in the canyons this would be well. I, I did ride it. I did ride it briefly through some kind of tighter canyons, not ones where I could get going fast. Unfortunately, just the canyon roads <laughs> that connect the San Fernando Valley and um, Beverly Hills West Side. It was kind of frustrating actually because, you know, here I am on the canyon road, and there are these cars kind of creeping along, and lots of signs: "Do not pass. Do not pass. Do not pass." I was on the Beverly Hillside and I know they really, they're, they're, you know, they monitor that stuff. So the only chance I got to really let it loose a little bit was when I got to the top and I went along Mulholland briefly. And it's like, oh, this is fun. Even though, as I said before, the bike's a little bit, a little bit heavy. Um, when you're right, you, you mostly only notice that when you're going slow, right? Um, so as I was, sure. you know, going along the top, I was having a really good time. And then it's like, ah, now I have to drop back down and into the tight stuff and go to work but this would definitely be fun for somebody who wants to take it out um, in the canyons on the weekend it's clear that it would be comfortable uh, very comfortable if you wanted to do some light touring on it maybe even not light touring maybe more certainly with all the options on the bags um, you could you could definitely do some significant touring on it so and it's got cruise control and it has cruise control. It absolutely does have cruise, cruise control. It also has the keyless ride. Okay. Got a center stand, which of course to me, I'm just saying, well, that's that's adding to the weight there. <laughs> and I could never get it on the center stand myself. Somebody else could. Um, and actually I will say when I said it about the weight um, and you really only notice it at slow speeds, that's true. The only other place I notice it is in my at the parking garage at work. I have to park slight slant on the, the downhill, on the kickstand side. So when I get on, it's like getting it off of that kickstand. Yeah, I, I feel it there. Yeah, but you say that it's it's an easy to ride bike. So it's it's obviously not a beginner bike, but certainly an intermediate who's sort of moving up from some of the smaller classes could definitely handle this by the sound of it, as long as they've got the height or the inseam to be able to reach the ground and, and handle the weight it sounds like an easy bike to ride and a really good good bike without having to get up to the real big heavyweights actually that yeah that's you totally encapsulated it there that's exactly it it's not a beginner bike but it's it's you know it, it would make somebody very happy who doesn't want the the leader bike the, the bigger bike doesn't need necessarily anymore you know this this is a lot of power i'm sure I, I was very, very satisfied with it. And I, uh, I really think it covers a lot of territory. Right. I, I haven't asked you about fuel consumption, but I assume that uh, it's got a pretty decent sized tank and probably got a, you know, four and a half, five gallon gas tank. So it's got plenty of range to it. It's, it's just over four gallons. And um, <laughs> interesting with that, that wonderful TFT display, which there's so much information on it and it's awesome. And one of the things that you can look at, of course, is your um, your mileage consumption. It's interesting that the screen itself has, you know, the certain information on it that takes over most of the screen. And then there's a little strip along the top, which you can scroll through uh, using a button on the left uh, switch gear. And one of the things that you can switch, you know, as you're going through, it shows your trip and it shows your average mileage on the trip. And I was just looking at that today when I was coming home and it was showing about almost 50 miles per gallon. So, you know, bikes, bike, bikes been saving me a lot of money lately, I have to say. <laughs> not, not been in the truck. I've been on two wheels and it's been doing a good job there. So, yeah, that's typical for a, for a 900 or maybe slightly better. I mean, but you know, 45 to the gallon is, is not unusual on a 900, but, but that's great. 
Yeah, no, it's I, I'm impressed. So, and of course, you know, it's funny. Somebody at work saw it in the parking garage. Somebody who's like totally non non tech non bike. You know, they know they don't know anything about bikes, and they're like, "Is that a BMW?" <laughs> <laughs> Don's talked about that in the past. People get terribly excited when they see the see the BMW Ramble on something. It's right. It's funny. It's funny. But, you know, it. and you know what's oh, something I hadn't even thought about. It's like when I think of, of BMW bikes, most of the time I think of the ones that have the engines that, you know, give you the rocking, the opposed. Um, right. The you boxes. know what I mean? Boxes the boxes. Yeah. Right. And I've, you know, been on one once or twice maybe. And it's like, I'm not into this at all. So that's kind of right. like my knee jerk thought about BMW. And so then to get on this, it's like, oh, this is great. You know, there's, <laughs> right. there's none of that shifting back and forth. Yeah. Okay. It sounds like an awesome machine. I'm glad you're glad you're happy with it. Kudos to, to BMW. All right. Hey, thank you very much. I really appreciate hearing your thoughts on it. Sounds like a great bike. I'd like to ride it myself. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks a lot for chatting with me about it right there. Uh, all right. Thanks, Kelly. All right. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. In the second segment, I chat with Ricky Rengi. He's the service manager at Wheels in Motion. It's a dealership in Chatsworth, California. Of course, he's crazy busy, but he still manages to ride his various motorcycles 24-7 on the street, on the track and off-road too. Ricky's an absolute hoot to talk to. He's a very energetic young guy, and he's got a truly positive vibe and a magic sense of humor. So we had a good time and laughed a lot. I'm sure you'll enjoy hearing his stories. So you are the service manager at Wheels in Motion. Did I get that correct? Yeah. So currently I've been in the position for about a, a just come over a year now. Oh, nice. Okay. What, what sort of attracted you to that? Well, as you probably already know, I, I did iconic uh, motorbikes before that. Okay. Uh, which was, you know, kind of started with me, Adam, a gentleman named Danny at the time. Um, and we kind of winged it from there. We, we, uh, we kind of built a reputation of being loose cannons for a while and doing the cool stuff, playing with cool bikes. And I wanted <sighs> to get, you know, settle down and do something a little bit more, uh, dealer orientated something i can sink my teeth into with the newer generation of stuff right what are the bikes that you you principally service there i mean wheels in motion so wheels in motion is yamaha ducati yeah yamaha ducati kawasaki and polaris the side-by-side -side stuff oh interesting yeah how's that going i mean during the pandemic it was pretty difficult to get staff and get people and a lot of people stopped working and yeah it, it all sort of got very crazy have things sort of returned a bit to normal or yeah so i mean at the beginning of the covid situation i had just moved over to start things with adam and the iconic bunch and right we were, we were at a point on lincoln boulevard which is where the first location was where we were just shutting the doors we didn't know if we were going to get in trouble for being open and they were like you know if you're, if you're one of those uh uh, what were what they calling the people that uh, the necessary yeah essential businesses we we somehow fell under that category of an essential business <laughs> we were like okay we're just going to keep working on motorcycles we're just going to you know keep doing what we're doing so the ball rolled as hard as we could roll it yeah we had the door shit at one point and there was riots on lincoln it was it was an interesting time it really was wow so you guys got Got to dabble with a bit of dirt bikes this week, I heard. Yeah, yeah. TJ did the uh, the KLX two thirty launch uh, yesterday. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's really. I mean, the truth of it is, is we've ridden a few miles, a handful of miles off road. We've really never, never done it. Yeah. Uh, but she she absolutely loved it. Good. Yeah. I grew up in kind of a, a situation where the only way I could ride street was to ride dirt because my dad wouldn't let me have a bike until, you know, obviously I had to be 16 to have a road bike. And uh, he said, uh, 
four years old, I wanted to ride a street bike. He said, you have to get on a dirt bike. You have to spend some time on there first before I'll let you do anything on the street. So it was always, you know, it was a tough, tough childhood growing up with, a, with my dad, who was like, he's very competitive. He's the type of person that'll smack you on your bum and, and send you out on your way. But uh, <laughs> he, he wants to go out and have fun too. So I, I understand that. Um, sure. Yeah, I did a number of years on dirt. I hated every moment of it the first time around. Really? Really? When you, when you say the first time around, you mean the first couple of rides or? No, I mean for the like five, six years. Oh, you hated it? I hated it. And it was the only, the only reason I stuck with it was because I wanted to ride the street bike. Oh, okay. Wow. And so you, you didn't, I mean, obviously you got a lot out of it because, you know, uh, because you're a pretty accomplished guy, but holy mackerel, how can you stick with something for five years as a kid hating it? That's astonishing. Yeah, I, I at one point I, I told my dad I never want to ride a motorcycle again. I put the bike in the garage and was done. And then one day when I was 13 years old, I decided that I was getting into uh, Supercross and, you know, James Stewart and all those characters, Chad Reed were up in the air at the time and I found it very interesting and I was like okay I want to I think I want to get back into it and I slowly but surely got back into bikes and I still wasn't a great rider the end goal was always street and my first I, I went all the way up to about 15 and a half I sold my dirt bike to prep to buy my my first street bike when I it came time for my 16th birthday and I, I was like ready to buy it my dad at the time wasn't really ready to buy a car for me because that was the promise. I'll, I'll buy your car, but you got to buy the street bike. Okay. I said, okay, okay. Uh, my sister had just gotten her first car because she's two years older than me. Okay. My dad was like, look, man, I don't have the funds for it right now. We're working on it. We'll, we'll get you there soon. I know how you know itchy you are to get out on uh, and drive on your own. And I said, it's okay. And I walked next door and I talked to my neighbor and I bought his Honda Civic off of him. <laughs> smell like fish <laughs> i gave him my money i said can i buy your car please he said yeah yeah go ahead have it and uh yeah we figured out uh about a m two three months later dad opened the garage and there was a brand new r6 in there waiting for me and uh from there I just went into to, to road racing and you know riding street and doing all that what dirt bikes did you start out on when you were growing up? I and mean, what was the, the very first one that you started out? I think my first one was a GT80 Yamaha from the mid 80s. Okay. My dad had found this guy on uh, eBay or Craigslist at the time. And, you know, it was just a bike with all of the body parts missing off of it. But he had it all in a box. <laughs> so... My dad built me this bike and I, I went and rode it and it was a death trap. And that was the bike I told him I never want to ride again on. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I got back into it, it was TTR 90, TTR 125. Okay. And YZ250F. Oh, no. And then, yeah. And then I sold that to buy uh, my first car. Okay. So what, so what was it that, I mean, I'm curious, but what, what was it that you hated so much about it? Did you just keep crashing or it was just you felt out of control? You know, the, cr the crashing, the, the complete uncertainty of going straight. You know, you get on a motorcycle and you think I'm going to ride straight, but on a dirt bike, you're just all over the place. You know, you start to learn uh, over time to turn off that panic button. You know, I was really good at hurting myself at the time. So every time I went out, I'd hurt myself. And then I'd be like, no, I hate this. <laughs> you know, and then as you get older, you realize, well, this is part of the learning curve and, you know, you'll get, eventually get better. Yeah. But then I jumped on the street bikes and I was, you know, I'm not going to say I was the world's best rider, but I, I got out there and I did really well. I was very surprised with the outcome of my first time on a street bike. Right. So what was the very first street bike that you rode? It was, was it the new R6 or was it something else? No. In fact, the first street bike I ever rode, um, was my dad's 1998 Blackbird 1100. <laughs> that was the first street bike? <laughs> At Streets of Willow, my dad was like, okay, it's time, you know, my 16th birthday, he was like, look, I'll take you to the track. My dad had a Gixxer 1000. 
he goes, the only other bike I have is this, this Blackbird 1100. I was like, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> so we went out and I had a ton of fun and I ended up scraping his exhaust, his foot pegs and a lot of the fairings and was mad at me, but you know, I went out and I had a blast. Ground off most of the hard parts on his bike. He's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I instantly fell in love with that. Right. Well, if you fall in love on a big, heavy bike like that, and Street to Willow is such a, it's a tight, highly technical track. So if you can hustle a Blackbird around that, then I'd say you're, yeah, you, you've got something. So then you, then you got the R6. You looked in the garage and holy mackerel, there's, a, there's an R6. Yeah. That must have been, that must have been a big shock. It, it was. I honestly didn't expect it at all. Right. Right. I, I love my my family and my family has been great to me. But, you know, trying times is trying times. Yeah, of course. But I mean, it must have been a shock after the Blackbird. Yeah. You get on this bike and you're like, whoa, this thing turns nicely. <laughs> I was I was scared of it for a number of years because, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, on the Blackbird, it's all kind of laid out on the table. You know, you've got a power band that's just smooth all the way through there's nothing that's crazy it's not going to try and spit you off you know the, with the weight and the and the size of the motor it allows you to have that kind of wiggle room and then you go onto the r6 and nothing happens until like 10,000 rpm and then after 10,000 rpm it's like running through a, a walmart with firecrackers in your hand it's just full bore 100 percent. you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did I mean did he put at least put new tires on the Blackbird for you or the Blackbird probably had probably 50% tires on. It was a great bike. I didn't have any issues with it whatsoever. And just street tires, like half-worn street tires. Yeah, go and have fun, son. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah. I guess that's yeah. a testament to most of your life having spent on a dirt bike that you were able to do that so easily. Yeah, and I did find myself in a situation on my very first track day where I was coming out of, I think it's four, and I tipped it in just too early. Right. And I ended up cutting the course, but I was off-road on the on the Blackbird at one point. Immediately, I stood up and I took the, the suspension <laughs> and went straight through the dirt section, came out on the other side, looked around, made sure nobody was going to hit me or me hit them. I was like, okay, we'll keep going. <laughs> It's the best way to learn. That is awesome. Well, no, actually, I correct myself. That is not the best way to learn, but you did survive. <laughs> you survived it. Wow, kudos, man. That is awesome. Wow, how cool. You must have got some really weird looks. That you know, all yeah. these all these kids turning up, or not kids, but you know, young men turning up on, you know, jixes and, and R6s and all kinds of things. And you're there on a blackbird. And how and how old were you? You must be what? What do you say? 16? I was 15? I was freshly 16. My first track day was the day I turned 16. Right. My mother came and she was spent the entire time in the bathroom throwing up. <laughs> oh, <man>. oh, <laughs> sort of torn between whether to call child protective services or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of it just for me, it was like the beginning of so you know through my life my my dad has always been kind of off-site he he works in the film industry and he you know bounces back and forth places working and you know so when we first moved to the u.s we really didn't have anything in common you know my dad's big and around was big in Iranian stuff the only thing we had was motorcycles but i didn't know how to ride so kind of going through that pattern of uh, growing up and learning to to love the pain that comes with motorcycles, you know, whether it be physical pain or watching, you know, something bad happen to to, to other you know situations. It's it, it was great just to kind of have that experience because it was just me and him for a very long time, but now it's me, him, and my best friend Sean. Okay. We do every ride together. Right. So. Okay. Yeah. Is most of your riding on track now or? So ironically enough, when, when Sean decided that he wanted to ride street bikes, I did the same thing to him. Uh -oh. I said, no, you can't ride a street bike. You have to ride a dirt bike first. Right. So when I got 
off of the street bike for a little while and I went back to dirt, we ended up riding almost every day. At the time we were in college, there was no responsibilities. There was no bills. It was just, let's go ride every damn day, whether it be rain or you know, sunshine, let's do it. So we ended up getting pretty damn good on the dirt bikes. And now, you know, I ride 365 days a year, practically. I ride to work every day and then I ride on my day off. Right. And then I work with motorcycles all day. So thankfully that hasn't tainted me. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what is your dirt bike of choice right now then? I've got a 2019 KTM 300 TPI, which is the new fuel injection kind of scenario with the two strokes. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. That's, that's got some, that's got some zip to it. That thing. Yeah. It's been a fantastic bike. I mean, you know, after removing the emission stuff on the ECU, uh, you know, oh, yeah. it's a genuine ripper. Have you, have you tried any others? Have you gone to any of the Husqvarna's or, or any of those kind of yeah, I've kind of lucked out. A lot of my friends have eclectic tastes. Right. You know, Sean's got a WR450. Okay. Um, which is always really nice to go back to a four-stroke because it's just power all the time. Right. Um, I've ridden some of the new Cast Gas and Husky stuff. Okay. Uh, and then uh, my other good friend, Brandon, he's got a, uh, a KTM 350 four-stroke KTM. Okay. So that's a great bike as well. Uh, everything out right now there's there's nothing you can really complain about <laughs> so yeah so obviously you and your friends kind of mix and match and just ride each other's bikes and just have a laugh and just get to try out what you like yeah if we're not stuck on the hillside yelling at the bikes <laughs> what's the point of going out right <laughs> <laughs> right that's so true <laughs> yeah so where whereabouts do you principally ride i know you were telling me about one little secret place you've got yeah, so we've got some land out in Castaic that we have access to. Okay. Um, it's about 900 acres, give or take. Right. Which, you know, kind of nice. There's there's quite a bit of cyclists out nowadays because the weather's, you know, perfect for grip. Sure. But uh, we can go out in the boonies and not get bothered. It's perfect. Yeah, that's awesome. And what, what sort of riding is it? What kind of terrain is it? Is, is there a lot, a lot of jumps and that kind of stuff? It's mostly mostly single track, hilly, hilly, like hard pack. Okay. So you can go through your riverbeds, you can go through your, you know, steep hill climbs. Right. Some rock sections, some creek sections. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Have you have you done any uh, competitive dirt bike riding at all? Yeah, I've raced at a couple uh, District Thirty Seven uh, events out in the desert. That's been a lot of uh, fun. We do a Saboba Invitational every year. Okay. Um, that's a really cool one out in Indio. So that's more, that's more sort of enduro stuff then. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, enduro and then district 37 is pretty much all open desert type stuff. Okay. Oh, really yeah. cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So you haven't, so you don't really tend to go to sort of motocross tracks then. No, I'm, I believe it or not, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> oh, okay. As soon as you take off a jump. There's a video of me, uh, you know, we did a, a freestyle motocross class right. that was uh, instructed by a gentleman named uh, Scummy Morrison, who's a, an old freestyle motocross professional. Right. And uh, somehow Sean convinced me to do the class. And I, the first time we go up on this big metal ramp, I just cased the hell out of the bike. Oh. Ended up rolling down the backside of the hill. And even the instructor was like, man, I would be so embarrassed. I would never get back on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I leave my jumping career uh, to the side there. And you were like, you know, just this, this section of motorcycling is not for me. I'll <laughs> it, but not for me. Yeah. I like the ground. I can do wheelies. I can do stoppies. I'm okay with those things. All right. But as soon as it comes with the big jumps, I'm just yeah. I'm six foot tall, 250 pounds, and I don't fly well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So, okay. So you get it. So obviously you get a lot of your jollies on the dirt bike, but then how, how did the street bike thing progress since that's your first love really? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it, it was kind of weird because I went from dirt to street and then I went back to dirt for a while. Okay. And now that, you know, Sean has got a, his himself a nice big boy bike. We're back on the street and it's, it's, uh, 
it's posing problematic because I don't have, I work six days a week. Right. So Sean gets to go play around on a weekend while I get to go to work okay. and he gets a lot more practice time. Oh. So when we're on the dirt bikes, we're, we're elbow to elbow. But as soon as we get on the street bikes, uh, the, uh, the road race now, I mean, he accidentally won two championships last year. So he's, he's definitely got, uh, he's got the stuff in to go have fun for sure. Oh, wow. Is he, what's, what sort of build is he? Is he a similar build to you or is he smaller and lighter? Sean's a little bit smaller and a little bit lighter than me. He's actually, no, he's probably around the same height as me, okay. but obviously lighter. Right. Um, he's on the, uh, he's on a 2017 R1. Oh, nice. The, he raced the CRA rounds last year or this year, sorry. And uh, just went out and had fun, tried his best got a championship and then somehow he, they handed him another trophy and told him he, he won the second championship. So he was like, wow. okay. <laughs> wow. That'll do. <laughs> and, uh, he's got a commit. Uh, he's got a commitment level that uh, a lot of us envy here. Cause he just, he goes out and do it. It does it. He wants to try and wild card for uh, moto America, hopefully soon. Oh, that'd be awesome. Wow. How cool. Yeah, some guys are prepared to just simply just push it that little bit, little bit further. Yeah. When I when I was your age, I I certainly did. Now I'm you know in my sixties, not so much. <laughs> but uh, but well, actually, to tell you the truth, it is a bit of a problem when mm. I worry myself when I go out on track because the red haze sort of comes down a bit, the old red mist, and I start off the beginning of the day going, no, 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 I'll be fine. But the truth of it is I'm not very good at just riding round tracks at nine tenths and yeah. sort of having fun. I only kind of get, I only start having fun if I'm trying hard. Yeah. And if you're trying hard, then inevitably there's always something happens and there's a bit of a moment somewhere and, oh shit, I've just lost the front line. Oh man. Yeah heart in mouth time and i come and i go what the fuck am i doing you know i do not want to crash yeah so i i do worry myself a bit yeah my dad's one of the types of to uh he says you know you got to ride with anger you got to ride with passion very italian thing to say <laughs> right. I've, never, I've never had the anger of just having too much fun in the beginning to right. be like i'm you know you gotta be aggressive and it's like no i'm just gonna go and do it i'm just gonna go past this person i'm just gonna go for what i can I did the uh, the CRA, CRA round in Laguna this year. Oh wow! Yeah, we uh, on your R six. Yeah, we ended up doing an engine build, prepping the bike, and getting it ready within two weeks of the tra uh, the race. Wow! So I hadn't ridden the bike. I hadn't tested anything on the bike. We just went for it. Have you ridden Laguna before, or was it the first time you've seen it? Yeah, I've ridden. I, I rode Laguna two or three times before. But every time I've had some sort of issue, I caught fire there once. Uh, they got canceled early, and then the last one I was I was helping run the event, so I only had like five or six laps in. Sure. So it, it's been one of those those races for me that I've I've always wanted to race there. I grew up uh, when I moved to America. I moved to San Jose, and the closest track to San Jose is Laguna Seca. Sure. So 2000, 2001, I would go watch the, the superbike races there. And that's how I fell in love with Colin Edwards and the RC51. Right. That's that kind of what sparked my entire interest in, in, in getting into the, to the track riding scene and doing all that. One of the greatest comebacks in superbike history, that was. Exactly. Exactly. And we were, we were lucky enough to be standing there on a corkscrew and he comes down the hill and he starts just ripping like articles of clothing off he's throwing them into the crowd he <laughs> yanked off like a side panel and threw that into the crowd i mean he came back with practically a bare bare bike and a tank and that was it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a great guy colin edwards that's very cool yeah. awesome so you have actually you had actually ridden laguna you've done some laps on it so what happened in the race then how did it go so, you know, practice and uh, the first practice we went out and I had an issue with one of my, uh, with my shifter linkage, oh. about two, three laps in my shifter linkage, the uh, bolt backed its way off. Oh. And I was holding it as I came into the pits, I was holding onto the, uh, the rod and 
came in, fixed that issue, but couldn't get any time to go back out because there were only 15 minute, uh, 15 minute practice sessions. Oh, right. And then it was uh, practice one qualifying and then practice two and then race the next day. Right. So my very next time out was qualifying. <laughs> I did a terrible time and it was like out of 20 riders, I think it was 14 on the grid. Okay. And I was like, oh man, awful. I was, I was, you know, we were having problems with some of the mapping. I had just thrown a random map on the bike just out of just, we didn't have anything for it. So we just threw it on there. Um, did qualifying, did terrible at qualifying, did practice too. Um, it was really cold and kind of damp. So I spun a couple laps to make sure I was happy with the, the tune that we were able to kind of put on it overnight. Right. As we swapped over to a new one. And then, you know, the race came up, we gridded up and it was like, oh my God, I've never been so nervous in my entire life. <laughs> you know, you've got all these other people that are ready to go and you're like, I feel like I've just gotten on the bike. I don't have any time with this. This is, this is crazy. Right. We took off um, horrible start. Absolutely. <laughs> dog crafts start. People start passing me. I remember my dad telling me in the pits, he's like, Hey, turn two, you guys are going to come down the hill and everybody's going to blow it. Cause they don't realize how quick they're going in and they're going to get nervous. So they're all going to go wide. And as I was coming down the hill, I was like, no, I'm going to go around the outside. Everybody's going to want to, you know, cut on in a little, you know, did I know all of the bikes went wide and I had this huge gap where I went from, so start 14th back to 20th. And then as we came into turn two, I went all the way back to 10th. Wow. Holy, whoever took 10 bikes in, in turn two. <laughs> I just saw a wide open door and I was like, I'm going to go here. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> awesome. Well done. Holy mackerel. Yeah. So then, so were you still in tenth by turn three, or did you drop back to turn to twentieth? No, I I held uh, held tenth for I think about five laps. Wow. I was chasing a guy on a jixer, and halfway through the race, a guy put a wheel in. I, I saw him. I was like, man, I should not be, you know, you know, taking it so easy. You know, this is the time. If I'm ever going to get angry. If I'm ever going to put 100% effort in, it's during a race. Right. So I start cracking the throttle open. That guy in front of me, the gap gets smaller and smaller and smaller. We're at, uh, I think it was a 12-lap race. We're at lap 11. And the guy who was behind me drafted me up the straightaway uh. for a pass on the straight. So I dropped back to the 11th. And then as we were coming down to the last corner at, uh, at uh, turn 11, He's the two guys that are in front of me. The guy on the inside decides to go for a heroic move uh, and the door's wide open again. <laughs> so I, I'm looking straight down this door, and all of a sudden I see this red flag uh, right out of the corner of my eye. So I ended up finishing the race in 11th, but uh, I, an experience I'll never forget. Wow, what a great that what a great story. <laughs> so what what did your dad say when you came in? He was like, told you. Turn to. <laughs> uh, he's a very humble man. <laughs> of course, he said he told me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, as soon as I saw you take off, I was like, oh, he's screwed. And then he came out in 10th. I was like, oh, you found the door. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Good for you, man. That's awesome. So did you did you do a lot of racing after that? Or you just so just do it for fun? Or? Right now, we're just we're doing it when we have free time. Right. I'm kind of focusing on the career aspect of, you know, getting my name known in, in the motorcycling industry and, you know, just enjoying myself going through that. Yeah. From there, we're going to, we're going to see where it takes us. Yeah, sure. I'm curious what kind of tires you, you choose to run when you're, um, when you're racing or doing track days. So Pirelli doesn't do a 180 anymore on the slicks. Right. So I was, I was kind of forced to do the 190 rear of which I've never run before on my bike. And it completely changed the feel of the bike. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that Pirelli. I, I know the new Dunlops are great. Yeah, not saying anything bad about Pirellis because Pirelli tires are absolutely fantastic. I love them. But I've always been a Dunlop guy. I mean, ever since the days when I was racing, and that was long, longer ago than I care to remember. But Dunlops always had the feel for me. You know, I mean, back in the day, you know, the Michelins and, and even Bridgestones, 
you know, they they could arguably have more grip than the Dunlops, but the Dunlops had a sort of a big gray area. And since I'm, I don't have the skill to sort of slide around on purpose, I like to have plenty of warning when the when the tires are going to let go. Yeah. And most of my racing was all at Big Willow or Button Willow. So, and especially at Big Willow that's so fast, you don't want to go down at triple digit speeds. And so I like to have this sort of big gray area where I'm like, oh, the tires are starting to feel a bit greasy here. You know, I think this is about as fast as I want to go. So I yeah. just kind of, I've always been a Dunlop guy, really, you know, as a preference. The new generation of tires are fantastic. They are fantastic. The is still a great competitor. Yeah. Um, the fours are just like that perfect crossbreed be between a good canyon and a good track tire. Yeah. And I, I'm really excited to try the fives. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I think the fives and the, you know, the 5S, which is the street version, I think they're probably a lot closer. Um, you know, there was quite a big difference between the Q3 Plus and the Q4 um it, in fact um it was interesting because i happened to do a track day um at chuck waller about a month before the q4s were launched and i did it on my personal bike my my jix a thousand i had a brand new set of q3 pluses and i happened to gopro the whole session or, or the whole day and so when the when the q4 launch came along i did exactly the same thing so literally everything was the same bike was the same track was the same conditions were the same the only difference was the tires and i took uh over two seconds off my lap time and i just simply all i did was simply compare the two gopro videos and i took my best lap from the q3 pluses and my best lap from the q4s and i was like holy yeah. shit two seconds a lap yeah and that was i was like wow it was and it felt like it i mean you could tell yeah so yeah i was I was diehard Dunlop for a very long time. And up until recently, it's because that was the only thing at the track for me was the uh, rallies. So I was like, all right, let's run, run the Pirellis. And then, you know, later on in the in the weekend, the Dunlop guy showed up and I already, I already had Pirellis on my bike. I was like, oh, well, we'll just run them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Pirellis, I mean, they're great tires and they've got really good feel. And I mean, there's, you know, I mean, they're really... Pirelli's are, I mean, clearly they're the benchmark. I mean, they really are. Um, you know, world superbike spec tires and, and what have you. So yeah, you, you really it, it doesn't get any better than that. But but it you know everything, it's kind of like helmets, it's like any of this stuff. Everything comes down to personal preference and yeah. Dunlops to just sort of have the feel for me, but you know, but again, nothing against the others. Yeah. But yeah, so so uh that's very cool so you you do get to do a bit of street riding don't you i saw you on a v-strom last weekend yeah the uh the swiss army knife of all motorcycles <laughs> <laughs> the most underrated bike in the world i would say <laughs> well that's our fourth one believe it or not i believe it yeah yeah we had uh you know my dad started me with it he he had a white one um I eventually bought that off of him. He put 50,000 miles on it. I put 50,000 miles on it. And then we sold it to a friend of ours of, of which is still riding it two years later. Right. So I just, they're just a fantastic all round bike. They're not the best at anything, but they're just a comfy bike that you, you can just put it through anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Suzuki have a, have a habit of doing that. They, even in MotoGP, the Suzuki was just, a simpler bike than than everybody else you know if you look at the technical complexity of a ducati MotoGP bike and the simplicity of the suzuki and yet the suzuki was amazingly competitive yeah. and it really is quite striking their their ability to produce a chassis that's just easy to ride that just handles beautifully that's stable and turns in well that's why i've been a suzuki rider since actually since the mid seventies back since the two stroke. Really? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, GT five fifties, GT seven fifties. I think I've had three water Buffaloes, maybe four. Um, I mean, you know, GS thousands. I mean, my God, I mean, over the years. And then of course the very first Jigsaw that came out in, in 85, 86 in England, I had yeah. one of the very first Jigsaw 1100s that came out 
And I remember riding this thing and thinking, my God, this is like the perfect motorcycle. How are they ever going to improve on this? <laughs> that was 1986. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even back then, they were, they were one of the first people to run the dry clutch with the 84 Limiteds. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Was a, that was a great bike. They were just game changers. But by and large, I mean, Suzuki, going back to the V-Strom, just classic Suzuki, inexpensive, reliable all day long and yeah. an easy to ride chassis so that you can sort of focus on your riding and i like that and especially on the street i mean i'm just not that smart of a guy so i like to have as much bandwidth available as possible to be able to figure out what the traffic's doing and what the road's yeah. doing i don't want to be worried about you know having to think about the bike and managing the bike i want to be able to just focus on my riding and suzuki's kind of let me do that I was a bit skeptical buying the one that you saw me on. That was a friend of mine owned that one. Right. 35,000 miles on it. He was like, hey, man, I'll sell it to you for 800 bucks. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, just the word 800 bucks. You know, there's going to be a lot of work put into it. <laughs> and was there? Believe it or not, other than fixing some of the things that people tried to improve from stock. Right. Put it all back to stock. That's how the V-Strums are happy. And right. just ride it, just enjoy that. Yeah. So, you know, there's some of the emission stuff that was removed. I put that all back on with brand new hoses. And it's kind of like riding the bus. You don't have to worry about the, the bus getting to the location. You just got to focus on where you're going in the first place. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's a good, that's good explanation. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely classic. So they've just announced the new V-Strom, you know, the 800s with the parallel twin. You think you're going yeah, the, the P-Strom, yeah. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> They've got a marketing nightmare there. <laughs> Be that as it may. You do you think you're going to have a have a try on one of those? 100%. I, I would, I'm a big fan of the Tenere 700 and the parallel that's in yeah. that. Yeah. Um, with being a part of the dealership and having Ducati as well, I've just had a chance to try the uh, Desert X out. Oh, nice. So I think there's definitely a market there for the the parallel V-Strom as it is, and uh, right. I really hope that they you know come through with some of the great designs that they've recently been uh, you know been putting out. I mean, yeah, total for the last generation of V-Strom was a total throwback to the uh, DR Big from the Dakar days in the late '90s, which was awesome. Right, I'm a big fan of the Dakar stuff. Um, but yeah, that uh, the new V-Strom definitely looks like a good little rip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll bet. I'll bet. So as the as the service manager for Wheels in Motion, do you get to sort of leverage your position there a little bit? And, you know, oh, you know, maybe there's a tuning map here that I can put on or, you know, do you get a bit of sort of secret dyno time or anything? No, unfortunately, in the state of California, the carbon emissions laws are so tight. Of course. Yeah. Anything we do has to be like to the book. Yeah, yeah. And you know, when I stepped in the position, I, I told the owner of, of Wheels, I said, hey, look, I might not know everything about everything, but every headache you have right now, I can take care of. I'm going to be here. I'm going to practically be your Advil. So <laughs> kind of just stepped in, made sure that we don't do anything silly that's going to hurt us. And uh, from there, you just keep chugging and chugging and I hope for the best. Good for you. Good for you. So being a Ducati dealership, are you kind of, sitting there thinking mm, you know what one day i think maybe a, is it going to be a v4 in the in the ricky garage um you know what i had my field with ducati i actually own a, a hyper motard 1100 oh nice okay that's got a, a bunch of wacky things on it like the stm slipper clutch and all that fun stuff Sweet. And i quickly realized if i want to lose my license as fast as possible <laughs> right. riding ducatis yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. I, I love them. They're a fantastic machine. I'm actually Desmo certified as part of my job. Um, you know, I went to the technician training school. I built the motors. I had tons of fun doing that. Okay. Because I mean, it's fun standing behind a desk, you know, yelling at people to do stuff, but it's even more fun for me to work on the stuff. Right. So right. I went ahead and volunteered myself to become Desmo certified. And it's been awesome. I love the experience. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. That's awesome. So, so what's next? I mean, if I could wave a magic wand and say, you know, what job do you want in the industry? What is it you want to be? I mean, you, 
you know, crew chief for the, you know, Ducati MotoGP team or, you know, what do you want to, where's it going? I mean, right now with my age being as young as I am, um, there's a lot of options that I can kind of go down. Yeah. You know, the part of me wants to move to the Midwest and work for, I don't know, like uh, air traffic control and just kind of be on my own or the other half of me wants to do something great in, in motorcycling, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, you know, the, the next couple of steps is, is key for me. I want to start a family and I want to, you know, settle down and do all that fun, gooey stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose as young as you are, this is not something I'm going to have to face, but I mean, electric motorcycles are coming. And, yeah. you know, so it's going to be a whole new ball game, really. I mean, over probably in the next, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, some of the some of the world uh, world championship uh, riders are are riding e bikes now, sure. practicing and, and testing those out. Those are it's going to be an interesting uh, turnover, especially Ducati releasing their electric bike. They're going to be coming out with that pretty soon. Yeah, I watched the the first American uh, electric motorcycle race at Laguna. I think it was like two thousand and ten ish, maybe. Right, there were four people there racing right and one of the guys was just some dude who just bought went out and bought an electric bike for fun turn you know to find out that he could race in this event so he just went and did it and he ended up in second place because the, the two other riders ended up running out of battery and having an electrical issue <laughs> this, guy, this guy placed second at laguna sick <laughs> Imagine second, being that guy. Second <laughs> out of two finishers. <laughs> Standing on the podium and the third place is empty. You're like, <laughs> no, but you know what? Hey, a second place is a second place. I'll take it. <laughs> Me too, man. You know, yeah, to finish first, first you got to finish. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. How cool. Yeah. Anyway, well, th yeah, thank hey, thank you so much, Ricky. I really appreciate it. You're an absolute hoot to talk to. It was great. I loved hearing about it, and hopefully we'll get to go out riding sometime. Exactly. I could get you two on the dirt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little... I'm a little concerned about that because I know how to ride a how to ride a motorcycle. I mean, I've I've got pretty good machine control, and I've I've been doing it for a while, but I have no clue how to how to read the terrain. And so I'll, I'm pretty con pretty sure I'm going to be buzzing along going, oh, this is great, you know, and then something's going to, I'm going to fall into a pothole or, you know, misread a bump and, you know, and the rest will be, I'll wake up and wake up in the ambulance, which won't be the first time it has to be said. You'll be fine. We'll put water wings on you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. All right. Well, based on that, I'll look forward to it then. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thank you very much for the chat. I had a blast. Hey, thanks, Ricky. Really appreciate it. See ya.